Hi, welcome to the Overthinking Arsenal podcast. Please make sure to like, share and subscribe if you can. I hope you enjoy the episode. yesterday against uh, Standard Gage 2-2 uh, again it was a pretty slow match um, the age kind of dominated us I wasn't expecting too much I mean the kids are playing but then again we came out and uh, we had a very slow slow game um, if you look at the starting lineup he went 4-3-4-3 I think the thinking behind this was so that he could rest he could rest the wings, seeing that Bellerin is out, seeing that the wing backs, seeing that Bellerin is out and seeing that Tim is out. He could kind of rest them, put a little less pressure on um Kalazanach and those guys. Uh, played the kids as we expect in this in in, in the Europa League. Uh, and we came up against uh, the resolute standard gauge side. The stats were pretty straightforward. We had 15 shots with six on target. They had 11 shots with four on target. We had 58% possession versus their 42. 523 passes versus their 380. They had 79% pass accuracy versus our 84. We had nine fouls, they had 17. No yellow cards, no red cards. They had two offsides and we had five corners apiece. Pretty standard game. Um, we're starting to see patterns emerge. So, Freddie tried something new with the 3 4 3. Obviously, Europe is the best place to experiment, especially when we're right on the cusp of, of qualifying based on other matches. But obviously, we needed a really bad thing to happen for us to not make it, which didn't happen. We woke up in the second half and smashed them. Um, well, not smashed them, but we scored our two goals and pretty much took control of the match um shout out to Saka did very well played well uh, very instrumental in us coming back the switch to the 4-3-3 we're starting to see uh 4-3-3 is our is our formation started putting on the normal players that we see Martinelli and them and yeah 2-2 not not much to say we're through to the next round lost 32 uh, a couple of teams are dropping in so that's going to be a bit bit of a problem but hey what can we say it is what it is um hopefully we can avoid the bigger teams and kind of we've waltzed our way to a quarters and same even, even final so hopefully this year that takes care of itself and maybe we can see ourselves back in the champions league next year so uh this week a lot of there have been a lot of rumors Obviously, Kale Ancelotti is free. Apparently, he's talking to Everton. Uh, apparently, he's not a fit with us. There's been a rumor today that came out that Poch is the number one guy. Some people have been saying that Edu uh, wants Vieira to come in. We know about Salehi with uh, a bunch of people. Marcelinho, uh, the coach from China, also being mentioned in the so. 
yeah there's, there's been a lot of chatter uh, I, I don't know how it goes I don't know where we go with that but at the end of the day look it's the search the search is on uh, we're going to be supporting Freddy but it does it does beg a, a very a very uh, important question I'd say in terms of a club uh, if I was to give you a club tomorrow how would you run it what would you do um I feel like the questions that I always have or the question that I have now is more to do with culture. So who who does what? Um, who influences the culture of the club? I feel like nowadays everybody's trying to do too much within the club and we would be far better served if we knew exactly what roles were there and what the roles do. Uh, today I learned about this guy the Liverpool uh, director of football. His name is Michael Edwards. He's a 37-year-old. And I think in our search, we have to also keep in mind the different structures that have come into place at the end of the day. We have to think about um, what, what, what each person is supposed to do. I'm of a mind that, again, everybody's trying to do too much. Uh, the commercial director, uh, commercial. I think the commercial director is Vinay. He's in the mix about the coach. Uh, Sanley is in the mix about the coach. Edu, Josh is said to have some input. There are quite a few people that have input on this, and I feel like they're not looking for success, but more they're looking for they're looking to mold the club in a in a direction. Which then again it begs the question what comes first or who's in charge of what so i've always been on the mind of the mind that the coach comes in and he decides what the culture looks like what players he wants to to, to take on board training stuff like that i don't believe the coach should be part of whatever admin stuff and the other people director of football sporting whatever those people are then responsible for backing the coach from an admin perspective. I don't think Pep cares about um, Man City's marketing marketing plan. I don't think he cares to book hotels. I, I don't think he cares about a lot of those things that we're hearing them talk about. And it's, it's, it's a bit concerning that whenever we speak about the club, you are hearing Sunday, he, Edu, and all those guys. I mentioned Mark Edwards earlier. I didn't know who he was until today. Everybody knows who Raul is. Everybody knows who Edu is. Um, and I think that highlights a big problem that we have at Arsenal. And that we have these superstar people who are front page news where they should be um, supporting. Mark Edwards, for example, uh, was was backed by Klopp. Klopp said that he's played a big role in getting the players signed that we needed to get signed. He oversees that part of the club. Um, he's not suggesting players. He's not signing players. He's making sure that Klopp's vision is backed. So when Klopp says, I need a defender, then 
I, I want the best defender in the world. I've earmarked this guy and this guy and this guy. It's the team's um, prerogative to come in and say, okay, we're going to get you that guy. Do you have two or three alternatives? Again, I'll reference Man City's uh, documentary that came out, I don't know, uh, months ago, the one where they followed them for the season. When they show behind the scenes of Tiki and the COO and all those guys sitting in the back, they get given a list from Pep. This is my most wanted left back. If we can't get him here, two or three other options, you guys make it happen. Uh, I don't think Pep cares too much about what the finances look like. I don't think in the discussions he had, um, that was important. But for me, what I'm seeing is that that is... The problem with Arsenal is that, firstly, we want to hold on to our old cultural ideals. So we want there to still be a Wenger. We want it to still feel like there's a Wenger at the club. Uh, I think there were there was a luxury in having Wenger. Wenger himself came out this week and said that the club ran a danger of being in, it became inhuman. So what he was talking about was that when he was there, when he started, there were 75 people. When he left, there were over 180, I think he said. Uh, and it becomes harder to manage. So you can't have a vice grip over everything. So now you have to bring in talent at the executive and management levels that will also manage all the other stuff. I, I, don't, I don't expect my director of football to be actively signing players on his own uh, outside of the coach. I don't expect that because right now, for example, we're going into January, right? January is a transfer season. I hear this is a window. I hear everybody coming in and they're speaking about, oh, uh, we need to sign more players and we need to do this. I, I am completely against that. Uh, I'm completely against that because of one thing. We don't know who the coach is. You don't want to sign a player or spend money and then now you're sitting there and the coach doesn't know coach doesn't know or doesn't want this particular player or the player plays in a different style than they do i think the head of the 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 head of this recruitment should be the coach because that's who's going to drive their vision forward uh we don't need meddling executives apparently before unai left he wanted harry Maguire. he wanted i think it was zaha if i'm not mistaken and he wanted um, a central midfielder i just forgot the name and they said no um so again there's a measure of control that the board has over the coach and i think it's influencing who they're looking for i think they're going to look for somebody who scary thought who's going to be similar to what emery was he's going to come in and he's going to be a coach not going to be a manager he's not going to be given too much control and then he's going to have to i don't know uh bow down to the executives when the executives give him directives uh they're probably going to have players imposed on them and i think that's why the search is taking so long because i i I believe what arsenal is doing is the bait and switch that they always do during transfer periods what they do is in the beginning of the season in the beginning of the, the window you'll hear the big names get dropped uh, they spoke about Zaha, for example. At some point years ago, there's Higuain. They kept mentioning the bigger and bigger names. And all the while, I believe, 
they were looking for average to just above average players that could come in and uh, they could sign on the cheap uh, save some money and plug them in at the end when basically everybody who's watching Arsenal would just go oh, at least we've got a sign that's that's what I believe was happening um, this is what's happening with the coach so already Rogers has been mentioned he's out of the running Mourinho was mentioned he's out of the running so now we're running through all those coaches and Chelotti is free right now I don't know if they signed him or not uh, all these guys we're running them down now you're hearing the names that are being thrown in uh, of not so much not this, they're not celebrated coaches so you see Arteta is being thrown in you'll see um, Vieira's been spoken about Marcelinho so those are the type of coaches that I believe they're looking at uh, because they can impose themselves on a first year coach they can impose themselves on a legend and hold their legendary status above their heads they can, exp- they can impose themselves on a coach that comes from a smaller club because uh, you don't have the, the, the cachet that's needed to throw your weight around uh, while they still control. I don't think they had a plan. I don't think they have a plan. I think I still think there's a big stick contest happening up there in our executives and I think everybody's trying to show that they truly do run this club. Uh, and it may be to the detriment of what we're doing, I believe, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to put your ego aside and go, okay, cool. And all the talks that I watched in the Man City thing, and I, I, I do not know how much of that is staged, but from what I saw, all of them know their role, and then knowing their role, your ego goes away. Okay, Pep wants these players. With those players, we need to do X, Y, and Z. As Chief Operating Officer, I need to move funds here and here and here to make this happen. We need to start negotiating with this player. We need to start doing that. Uh, but with us, it seems as though whenever a decision is made, somebody's thinking, no, 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 no. You, you, you gotta listen. You gotta listen to me now. And I feel like that's gonna harm the club in the long term, uh, especially on the coaching. The execs and all that stuff as well is just gonna carry on going in a spiral. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm not too much hopeful. I'm not very hopeful. But I'm also looking at the fact that Arteta and those guys are being mentioned. And to be honest with you, I'm not happy with that because I feel like instead of taking a step forward or instead of realizing where we went wrong the last time, we're going to try to do it again. Uh, We're going to just play the tape over again and they're going to find somebody who's just like Emery. Hopefully that person can, can coach the socks off of this team. Because, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a long day, a long season, a long few years uh, as a rudderless team. So, yes, that's what I wanted to discuss. Is it going to be that the coach gives your club the, the direction and culture? Or should it be the club's executives who decide on what they want the culture to be and then find a coach that's going to fit that culture? And if they do that, how much control do they wield? How much power do they wield in those situations? 
I think those are very important questions because ideally they pick the coach and they step back, uh, back into their roles. Uh, they should be unknowns at this point. Nobody should know their names. Nobody should know the jobs they're doing. They should just be doing the jobs in the background and everybody else is getting whatever praise they get as being whoever's in front of the camera. But we'll see. It's very interesting how this is going to pan out. Still got a long season ahead. Um, I'm hoping Freddie also can learn from his previous games. Just to backtrack on the match, I think again, pace. You know, when you play with pace, your players get a sense of confidence. Your players get, especially with Arsenal, I don't think we have the type of players who can sustain a slow build, uh, who can keep possession for a very long time and be patient enough that when they're done with that, they can jump in and, and do what they need to do. I think we are a very intensity driven side so when we're sitting there we need to be able to pace up because that's when you get the best out of Ozil that's when you get the best out of Ober that's when you get the best out of Pepe and it's something that needs to be drilled in again yesterday there was a period where Standard Liège was played off the park and we scored the two goals uh, still very little very little at a time um, than what we need in order to go into the matches against teams that matter. You can't keep going into halftime uh, either drawing or behind. We can't need to switch up our whole tactical profile in the second half because uh, it didn't work out in the first. Or maybe we should start off with our second half tactical profile. Not only that, but the pace of the game. That's what we need, I believe. And we're not getting that at the current moment. I think the players are are kind of ambling through a certain place it's almost like they need some sort of they, they struggle to get motivation and the, the adversity that they get when they go into halftime wakes them up uh, which is something that's scary because now for example this weekend we're going into a match against City City, City are capable of smashing teams we know that and if we start slow and if we start ambling around and if we're so, if we're so lethargic in the beginning of matches, they, they're going to take advantage of that, um, especially since they haven't been doing well. Especially since we know that clubs have made Arsenal the team that they wake up on, the team that they can win this game and gain some confidence. Uh, we've become that team, so we also know that they're going to come in all guns blazing. And we need to come out all guns blazing. We saw what Man United did to them in their last match. Intensity, intensity, intensity. It's a lesson Mourinho learned against Barcelona after losing 5-0 when he was trying to defend the first game. And in the second game, he just put pressure on them. That's what you need to do. We need to start putting pressure. We've got a front three. We've got attackers that can put pressure on teams. But we need to start playing higher up the pitch at a faster pace. You need to make sure that Kyle Walker is not going to be able to run up the wing. Angelino is not going to be able to run up whatever wing he's got or given space to support Sterling. We need to make sure that we pace up and it, it, it scares them, frankly. Just like what happened with Man United. I don't think City were expecting that and it caught them off guard. 
when it caught them off guard, they didn't know what to do. And now they're stuck in a match where they're being outplayed. That's what I feel like is supposed to happen. We're supposed to get onto that field and within the first five or ten minutes, really put some pressure on so that they play with caution as we go forward into the match. The problem with not playing well in the first half is that when you do get into the second half, you may be so far behind that it's hard to get back or with our players, you may have demoralized them to the point where they're not playing anymore. That's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on pacing up. At least at least look like we're trying to scare them. But we'll see what happens with um, the match this weekend. And we'll also see what happens when with this uh, coaching, coaching merry-go-round that's happening right now in world football. Hopefully we can get our man and hopefully... Hopefully whatever they decide is not to just appease the fans, but to appease the the future of the club and the stature where we're supposed to be. So they should be making a decision that's going to be the best decision for Arsenal to get back to the top teams in Europe. Um, I think we've seen Guardiola, we've seen Pep, I mean Klopp, we've seen them come into these matches nowadays and you can see them slowing down especially with Pep, for example, who's going to leave. I think that era has, is, is, is slowly coming to an end. And this is a time where the new teams are going to be. The new, the new leaders need to be crowned and they need to grab the game by the, by the scruff of the neck, grab the lead by it too. Anyway, Man City up next. Follow me on Twitter, Ted President, T-E-D-D President. We love you, Austin. We do. And that does it for another episode of the Overthinking Arsenal podcast. Be sure to like, share and subscribe. And I'll see you after the next match day.